welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. the coast of Ireland, uh, there was a, a n- captain of a ship who found himself in the most desperate situation he had ever been in. A storm, terrible storm, they found themselves in, and uh, as the captain watched, the, the crewman that he had at the helm, a huge wave washed over the deck and washed the man out into the sea to his death, and the captain had to assume the helm and steer. And for the next 11 hours in this storm, he did everything he could to keep the ship from going down and succeeded. But during this time, he found himself very, very fearful that his own life was going to come to an end. And what really bothered him was that he realized he wasn't ready to face his maker. He had lived as a wicked man. He mocked people who believed in God. And his ship was a slave trading ship. So he cried out to God, expressed his need where he was at while he's fighting the waves. And when the the storm ended, um, 11 hours later, he was now a man of faith. A man who had humbled himself before God and cried out to him. And so he begins his life of faith as a Christian at that point. Now, eventually he came to a place where he could know, health-wise, he could no longer be the captain of the ship. And by the way, six more years it took him to stop running a slave trader ship. But he changed totally in how he, not that it doesn't make slavery right, but I'm saying he changed his attitude towards the slaves. He changed how he treated them and how he took care of them. But six years later, he finally came to an end of that. He can't keep doing that. So he had to find a way to make a living. And he found a job, some kind of a clerk's job or something, that allowed him quite a bit of time where he could study. And so he began studying the Bible. Studying it, learning it, uh, really digging deep in it. And over time, he began writing about the things that he was learning and um, began teaching those things. Because his life was completely changed. And eventually, without theological training, they still they had him become the pastor of this church about 60 miles north of London. And one of the things that he would do from time to time when he would preach sermon is he would, he would write a new hymn for his congregation to teach those truths that he was preaching on. And, um, boy, I forget what the year was. I knew it. Uh, but it went somewhere to me. <laughs> he uh, wrote a, a, a hymn for his church, and on the first day of the year, whatever year that was, uh, he, he had them sing it, and it starts with these words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now... I see. And man, that hymn is just, it's a beloved hymn, isn't it? It has endured the test of time. Um, Even people who aren't very religious 
like to hear that song come on at different times, okay? Because it somehow really brings comfort. And so what we want to talk today about is that amazing grace. What does God have to say about it, okay? And uh, we're going to look at three things. One is I, I want to kind of, let's get a grasp of what grace is, okay? Then, so what are the practical implications of that? How do I connect with grace and what difference should it make in my life? And then we want to talk about some misunderstandings, that oftentimes come with grace so that we don't have those misunderstandings, all right? So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. That's page 1343 in the Bible that's in the, the, the seats there. If you don't have a Bible with you or in your phone, we encourage you to pull one of those out of the chairs in front of you and follow along. The passage we're looking at here is... Uh, it's just kind of a foundational passage when we talk about grace in the Christian life. There are so many places to go in the Bible and talk about grace. In fact, it was a hard week for me trying to figure out what not to say. You guys should appreciate the fact that I don't say everything that I think I could say. Okay? All right, so the Apostle Paul here, he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He's been talking about what, what happened when they got saved, how God changed them, the power of God that was available to them, the, the body of Christ that they share together. And then he focuses in a little more personally. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That was our picture today when we baptized, right? We were spiritually dead. And then Jesus died for us and rose again. Now we're spiritually alive. And that's what this is talking about. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. He's talking about the, the, the satanic influences there. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Those who are not following the Lord among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Children of wrath means children deserving of God's wrath, deserving of God's judgment. By the way, this is the way we all were. If you've come to Christ, he's made some changes. But by nature, we are born spiritually dead. We are born with thinking that we are the most important thing in the whole world, and we live that way. And most of you here today have come to that point where you realize that's not the way to live, and you've received Christ as Savior. We'll talk more about that as we go along. All right, so we were all in this boat. But he starts off, hey, he made your life. This is where you were. This is how you lived. This is what you deserve. This is what your nature was. And then verse 4, he says, but God by the way, when you read but God in the scripture, it's almost always really good news. Okay? But God, even though that's the way we were, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he's connected us when we receive Christ as Savior. We're connected spiritually with the Lord. His spirit is in us and we are connected to him. Verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us 
in Christ Jesus. Now, we may not fully understand what it is that God has done for us. But I want you to see, he says that in the ages to come, how, how, how long is that? Centuries, millennia, I don't know. But apparently his kindness to us, they will be enough to show that it, you can look at it forever and still be amazed, still marvel at what he has done for us, what we did not deserve, what we could not earn. Yet he valued us, he loved us, saved us from the eternal penalty of our sins and from the power of sin, and one day he's gonna save us from the presence of sin. Anybody think that's good news? Amen. Yes, okay. And the verses we might be most, most familiar with, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. All right, so he's very clear here. Can, when he says works, he means the things that we do, right? Or maybe consciously, the things we don't do, we hold back. He says, nobody gets saved that way. We all get saved by his grace because did we deserve to be saved? Were we able to save ourselves? Yet he came and did what he did for us. And so that's how we get saved, by his grace. We, we humble ourselves before him, we receive his grace and, and we're enabled, we can now believe and we put our faith in him and everything changes. But so he's very clear here in verse nine, not of works. If it was works, I could say what? Hey, I made it. <laughs> I was good enough. I, I did enough good stuff. I made it. No. No. He says not, that's not the way it works. Not of works at all. But then he says this, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he does show us grace to us. He saves us when we place our trust in him. And he continues to show us goodness toward us, his love toward us, and works in our lives so that we can live the way he wants us to live. He enables us to do the kind of works that he wants us to do. And all of this, you're going to see as we look at grace here, focus in on a little bit more in a minute, how this all comes together. So grace, what is grace? And um, so here's a kind of a working definition of grace, okay? It's God's high valuation of us that moves him to show his goodness toward us in ways that because of our actions we don't deserve and because of our weakness we could never earn, okay? So it's God's goodness shown toward us his love shown toward us, his faithfulness shown toward us, all these things that he's shown toward us uh, that we, could never, we don't deserve. Because how do we live our lives? For all have sinned. We don't deserve it. And we cannot earn it. There's no good works we can do to fix the problems. Only his grace his grace, and so this is his showing, but it starts with God's high valuation of us. Because before God ever creates the world, we read in the book of Ephesians that it says that God, you know, he looks down in the future and he, he knows, he sets it up that those who believe in my son will be saved, right? 
Those who place their faith and trust in, in my son will have their sins forgiven and receive eternal life, and I'm going to move in and connect with them in their life. So that is the promise. And he looks down to the future and sees who's going to do that. He knows. How does he know? I don't know, except that he's God. But before any of this ever happened, before I ever made my big stinking mess of my life, before you did the same, he knew me and he knew you, and it says he chose us in Christ. He chose us because we were going to trust in Christ. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So how much does he value us? Think about it. How much does he value us? It's a lot. Yeah. Because knowing what we were going to be, knowing what we would do, he did it anyway. Willingly chose to pay the price for us. All right? Now, let's think about grace here. The... uh, very first time that grace is mentioned in the Bible, it is with Noah. And God has looked at the world, and the world, after getting not quite 2,000 years, had got pretty messed up, really bad. In fact, the Bible says that God saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, right? And so he determines, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. And then we see this. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we have these people that, that are going to be destroyed. It's God's judgment. It's justified. But then we have Noah who finds grace. All right. Now the question is, why did Noah find grace? Why Noah? Now, let me tell you, we look at the next verse, and here's what we find. It says, Noah was a just man. Just, justice, right? A righteous man. He was a just man, blameless in his generations. And he walked with God. He had a close relationship with God and walked through life that way. And we say, ah, that's why he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Because he was a good man. And here's what I say to you. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Was Noah a good man? Yes, he was. God says he was. He was a good man. Why was he good? See, here's the deal. If, if, if God, so, well, I'm going to show grace to Noah here because he's so good and lives right. If Noah earned it, it wasn't grace. You see what I'm saying? If he earned it, it wasn't grace. And so Paul talks about this, and it's kind of a, to me, it's a little bit of funny verse, but Romans chapter 11 and verse 6, he says this, talking about how we're saved, okay? He says, well, if we're saved by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. You get the point? Works are works, grace is grace, and you can't intermingle the two. Because if you do, it isn't grace or it isn't works. One of the two. So if Noah earned it, it wasn't grace. So what's the deal? Well, Noah was a good man because of God's grace in his life. You see? 
That moment that you or I receive Christ as Savior, that moment, God takes the righteousness of Christ and puts it on our account and he declares us righteous. And he moves in and, and gives us a new nature to help us kind of try to learn to live righteous. And we, you know, we make progress, but that's, that's how we do it. And so at some point, see, our thinking is, okay, God says, that's it, I'm destroying the world, and, uh, but not that guy. I'll give him some grace. Why? Because he's righteous. No, 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 no. At some point, we don't know when, at some point Noah had come to the place where he said, man, I need God. Maybe he's looking at this wicked world around him. And he says, help. Right? He turns to God. He humbles himself before God. And as we're going to see, God gives grace to the humble. And so then he goes to work in, in Noah's life, and Noah becomes this righteous man. So we just really need to get it out of our minds. We cannot be connecting this grace with works. Really, really important. Because it changes, should change how you see yourself and how you live your life. Because remember, here's the definition. God's high valuation of us that moves him to show his goodness toward us in ways that because of our actions we don't deserve and because of our weakness we could never earn. So let's, let's talk about practical understandings then of grace. Um, one has to do with the love of God. When, you, when it comes to grace, that's why we have a relationship, right? We saw it in Ephesians. You can't do anything to make God love you more or love you less. I think a lot of us say, well, yeah, I get I can't do anything to make him love me more. I, I get that, but we feel like we can make him love us less. But guess what? You can't. Why? Because it's what? What's his love flow from? His grace because he values us he loves us and you can't make him love you less he already knew everything about you before he ever even created he knew where it was going and he loved you and you can't make him love you more you can't make him love you less this is how grace works that's good news all right uh, another thing your relationship with God if you come to know Christ your relationship with God is never at risk because God is the one who started it and sustains it. Hmm. Okay, now did we have to respond? Yeah, we did. We're going to talk about that. But your relationship with God is never at risk. Remember that, right? I can look around, some of my conversations I've had, I said, you need to remember that. Your relationship with God is not at risk. What if you really mess up badly? Your relationship with God is not at risk. Does it affect how you experience your relationship with God? Sure it does, but not the relationship. So you are saved by grace and you are secured by grace. And once you come into that relationship with Christ and he moves in, he's not moving out. You can't evict him. He's staying. Okay, and he's going to challenge you when you go the wrong ways. All that's going to happen. Now, so... This is a grace. Now, how do we get grace then? Well, we've got to do some good works, right? You guys listening? No! <laughs> no, it isn't. There's only one condition that God has, and it's this, that condition is that we um, humble ourselves before him. Being humble means I realize the truth about who I am and what I'm like, apart from God, right? I try to do my own thing. I see my need, I acknowledge my need, um, and I choose instead of trusting in myself to trust in him. 
by faith, right? We believe, that's what it says. For by grace are you saved through faith. Nothing we can do, we can just open up really our hearts to him and say, I need you and I'm gonna trust you. That's it. And so when we humbly recognize our need of the Lord, his grace enables us then to believe and be saved. Isn't that good? He enables us to do that, to respond to the gospel. Okay, so, so um, we typically call this saving grace. Saving grace. But what I want to tell you is it's really there's a bigger truth here that's beyond saving grace, and saving grace is just a part. Because what God really gives us is enabling grace. He enables us to understand the gospel. He enables us to be able to choose and trust he enables us all those kinds of things. So some things God enables us to do. He enables us to see what we need to see. You know, when you come, by the way, um, Titus, Paul says to Titus, he says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, to everyone. God in his grace has made it so that every human being can understand their need and they can respond to God. That's his grace. And he's made us, every human being can do that. And so, he, whether, it's, whether it's gonna, excuse me, whether it's about um, being saved, we're able to see what we need to see and respond, or if it's about how we live our lives, I need to see, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I do this? Where do I go? He enables us to see these things so we can do them. Okay. Secondly, he, he enables us to understand what we need to understand to be able to do what God wants us to do. And, and then he enables us to do what we need to do. Okay. So anytime, go ahead and go to that if you would, Barry. Anytime that you, know, you and I are talking, if you hear me say, yeah, boy, I think this is what the Lord wants me to do, but I just don't, I don't, don't know that I can do that. Call foul. Say, Walt, wait a minute. You taught us about grace. And by God's grace, he enables you to do what you need to do. Well, I don't feel like that. Hey, that's fair. But you can do it. He enables us to do that. And so let's talk about this idea of God's grace enabling us to do what we need to do. You remember the Apostle Paul when he talked about he had had a... I think he had gone to heaven, actually, because he was left for dead. I think he went to heaven. He saw things. He says, I, I saw things I can't even tell you. <laughs> Not allowed to tell you. But then God allowed him to have some kind of physical problem that just annoyed him. Maybe it was painful. Maybe it was preventing him from doing things that he thought he should be doing. Whatever. He has all these problems, and he prays, and he asks God, and he just pursues God on this. Please take it away. God didn't take it away. What did God say to him instead? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, what is God saying? Hey, by my grace, I'll enable you to do what you need to do. And no, I'm not taking that problem away. I'm leaving that problem. You know why, Paul? It's going to keep you humble. And I give grace to the humble. Okay, and so you're going to be able to do what you need to do. All right. Uh, I don't, no raised hands here. How many of you would look at your life and say, 
I am an expert sinner. <laughs> and we do well lots of times. It is not like we don't do anything good. We can do things good. But the point is, that keeps coming up, doesn't it? And the author of Hebrews talks about the sin which so easily besets us. And we're like, I can't believe in here again. But Paul says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded how much? Much more. Much more. So our sins from our past, maybe before we came to Christ, more grace than that sin. When you... you uh, Think of how you sinned as a Christian along the way. More grace than that. Boy, is that good news too. You understand know why they call the gospel the gospel, which means good news? It's pretty good news, isn't it? Amen. So I, as I was studying and kind of thinking about this, this verse, it reminded me of an old hymn. Some of you may remember it, a lot of you may not. It's, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured. There where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. If you know it, sing along. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that can pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. <laughs> right? This is what he has for us. This is what grace it's more than we understand. And so as we keep growing in our understanding of it, we'll understand more of it and we'll see more and we'll be amazed more and on and on it goes throughout eternity. Now, in dealing with grace and thinking about being undeserved and can't earn and all this kind of stuff, sometimes we come up with some misunderstandings about grace. Okay, some misunderstandings. Um, go ahead and go to that slide if you would. And these misunderstandings work against us. One is that Sometimes people think, well, grace enables us to sin freely then, right? I'm saved by God's grace. I'm secured by God's grace. It has nothing to do with how I live my life. I mean, as far as getting it or earning it. Hey, I got a license here to sin. And first of all, let me say this to you. If you're actually seriously thinking that, you may not have experienced God's grace. Because when you experience God's grace and you humble yourself, it changes how you think. But anyway, Paul addressed this. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This comes right after where sin abounded, grace abounded. So shall we do it so we get more grace? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And what he's saying is that when God's grace, when we receive God's grace and it works in our lives, it changes us in ways that we don't want to live that way anymore. Oh, yeah, we can struggle with sin. We can be drawn to it. We can have a habit. We can be addicted. We can all that. But every Christian, genuine Christian, deep down inside, says, I don't want to be this way. I want to be the way God wants me to be. That's what grace does. Okay? So it can enable us to sin freely. No, that's a lie. Okay. Uh, another misunderstanding that comes is using a wrong view of grace as a reason for inaccurate and negative views of ourselves. 
Because what do we say right up front? I said it, right? You don't deserve it. You scum. I didn't see that one in the Bible. This is why in the definition I put, you don't, because of your actions, you don't deserve it. But how does God value you? Before he ever created, he knew all your junk. He knew your mess. And he said, I'll die for them because I love them. I love you. I love you and you and you. Right? Okay, so... I kind of got ahead of myself there a little bit, all right? Here's a problem with this inaccurate negative view of ourselves. We can try to establish our value without God. Hey, I am a value. What's the world tell you? All your problems, the solution to many of your problems is you've got to see that you are valuable and you are significant. And What's the problem with that? I mean, it has some positive thinking benefits for a while, but the reality is, is you're trying to do it on your own. That's the grace of God cannot be separated from God. Okay? Trying to establish our value without God or trying to act independently of God. Because we're getting the value part. Oh, God does value us. And then we go without God and try to live our lives. Doesn't work. And it's really a problem because Satan, his fall, Lucifer, who becomes called Satan... Uh, we see in Scripture that the real core of what he tried to do was this. He says, for you have said in your heart, talking to Lucifer, and here's what Lucifer said, I will be like the Most High. He isn't saying I'm going to be above God. He knows he can't be above God, but I will be like God, which means what? I'll call the shots. I'll be God in my life. That's an inaccurate view of grace, and that works against you if you're going to function independently of God, because that's pridefulness, isn't it? And, and I didn't put the verse up here, but you know the verse. God resists the proud. You want to get in a shoving match with God? Guess who wins? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we can't be trying to live independently of God or without God. And I don't think most of you here today, that's, that's you, okay? Another view uh, that can be messed up for us on this is that when I kind of, what I said a little bit ago, the idea I'm scum, right? Or I'm no good or I'm whatever. We get that message and we put that at the top as the big sign over everything. I'm no good, I don't deserve anything. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were, what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. He values us whether we receive Christ or not. Do you know God values everybody? He loves everybody like it because there are going to be people who are not going to receive Christ, right? There are going to be people who walk away. But Jesus died for them. He valued them. He loved them. He loved them all. And so we can't say, oh, I'm not me. I'm too bad. God can't love me that way. We're wrong when we say this. And so this becomes a problem when we start justifying a low view of ourselves and excusing ourselves because of it. Let me see here. Yeah. Let's just let's go to the scripture. Ephesians 1. I did mention this earlier. He chose us in him, in Christ. Because we believe in Christ. All who believe in Christ, he chose us. 
Here's what he chose to do. He said, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before he ever created you and you made your mess, he knew you and loved you. And he doesn't love you more because you get saved. He doesn't love you less because you don't. So, God has always valued you highly. Always. His grace proves it. You don't have value separate from God somehow because he created you and he's the one who loves you. and It's God's love to you. Uh, so, it's not separate. But you know, there are some of you here today, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you're on a mission to prove that you don't deserve God's grace. To yourself. And I know that some of you here today are probably saying, wow, yeah, this is awesome. God's amazing grace, man. I can't even get that right. You need to stop. You need to change it. Because the idea is, what you're saying is, I know God freely, I, I, me, right direction, I, I know God freely gives, his, gives me his grace, but I sure don't deserve it because of this and that. And if you knew me, other people knew me, if God really knew me, we need to switch this around. And we need to say, hey, I struggle with feeling like I you know, deserve this, that I'm worthy of this love or whatever. But no matter how I feel, God still gives me his grace freely. So next time you find yourself in that deep hole, and you're trying to shovel the dirt on top of yourself. Say, this is the way I feel. But the truth is, God's grace is sufficient for me. And you might have to say that once a minute. For days. But go with the truth. Go with the truth. Embrace the grace. Um, yeah, let me do this. I, I don't know Times a little bit, but because here's the progression. I want you to think of the kinds of things that should remind you of God's grace in your life. Uh, they remind you God has never changed how He values you, how He loves you, and His grace is evidence of that. Okay, God foresaw you before He ever created, knowing that you would sin and need a Savior. He valued you highly enough to create you anyway. This is a huge act of grace. In another huge act of grace, the Son of God actually came into the world. And died for your sin and rose from the dead, providing a way for you to be redeemed. In yet another huge act of grace, God provided you with undeniable evidence of his existence and enabled you to understand and respond in faith to the gospel. Continuing to act in grace, God lets you make your own choice about whether you would yield to him, believe and follow. He did not take away your freedom to choose for yourself. And allowing you to choose, choose shows how highly he values you as a person made in his image. God's grace enabled you to realize there was nothing you could do to save yourself except yield to him and by faith receive his son as savior, humbling yourself before him, admitting your need. And by his grace, God purchased you, went to work restoring you to his original intentions for you. And by God's grace, he works in your life, leading you even when you're not paying attention slowly but surely transforming you as he makes you more and more like his son Jesus. And by his grace, he enables you to do the things he's told you to do. You simply need to humble yourself before him, admitting your need to him, acknowledging your inability to get it right apart from him, 
Admit your desperate need of him. And God gives grace to the humble. And when you blow it again, remember, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And so, let's heed the uh, call of the author of Hebrews when he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, we have something that I don't think we know what we have in God's grace. Let's work on learning about it, okay? And living by it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Boy, so much. Uh, it's hard. It's, it's more than we can comprehend, Father. Keep teaching us. Keep showing us. Help us to, to see the truth so we can just humble ourselves before you and look to you and trust you and, and experience the, your goodness in our lives as you enable us to do and see and understand. That you're going to enable us to do all that and then you're going to bless us for it. Thank you. Help us to, to be people who live by grace and then, Lord, as we do, I know that will enable us to give grace to others who need it. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you leave today, and I meant to do this in the announcements, but if you can, I'm going to ask you if you could stick around for about 10 minutes. If you, if, you kinda, if you consider this your church family, just about 10 minutes. I just got something I need to talk to you about, okay? So we'll give it a, a couple minutes here before we start. If you need to leave, that's fine. Okay, but I'd love to have you stay. I got something I need to talk to you about. Okay, all right, thank you. <laughs>